Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And I am back here again with uh, Mr. Zed Williamson from New Orleans. Welcome, Zed. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And today we're going to have a little conversation that sounds pretty basic, but I think it's an incredibly important question for people to answer for themselves who are listening to this show because it'll save you a lot of time if you do. And the question is, does it make sense for you to be an entrepreneur? And I want to back up by saying that this show in particular is not just about being an entrepreneur. I call it financial education and you know entrepreneurship for you know, high paid wage earners. That doesn't mean you have to be an entrepreneur. The wealth formula and solving the wealth formula is really just about your ability to be able to dissociate your time from your ability to make money and allow you to do what you want with that time. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be an entrepreneur. Dissociating that time for money is what, in fact, the wealth formula. If you're actually a high paid professional, you don't have to be an entrepreneur because ultimately the goal of the wealth formula and solving the wealth formula, as I'd say, is to be able to move yourself as an employer, a self-employed individual from that quadrant. As we talked about Kiyosaki's quadrant, you have the employed and self-employed people on one side who are just exchanging their time for money into the other side of the quadrant, which is the business owner and the investor's side. And then in that, the goal is ultimately one way or another so that the assets, whether that be investments or the business you own or whatever, makes money for you. And eventually, if not right away, whatever, starts to make you as much money or enough money so that you don't have to worry about that job or self-employment situation that's exchanging money for time. And everything else that you make then becomes, you know, sort of the financial frosting on the cake. Now, that was a long rant. So, had any comments on that? Well, no, I think you're you're right on the money. It's the whole idea is, you know, one side of the quadrant is you, you have to pedal the bike to keep moving. If you stop pedaling, you, your inertia 
uh, is not strong enough, and so you will come to a stop. And the left side of the quadrant is you've pedaled your bike and you build up enough inertia and you're on the the right slope and it rides without the pedaling. And I like that disassociation of of time to money because that is the, the wealth formula. Right. I mean, so this show is really for high paid professionals. So you're already making money. And one of the things that's key to the wealth formula, I like to call it the motor. Okay. You got to have a motor and that makes achieving the or solving the wealth formula much easier than it is for most people in the world. And that motor is that activity, whether it's an employed job, whether it's uh, you know being a broadcast media person like you, whether it's you know having a few different businesses like I do, that creates cash. Okay, you have to have something that creates cash in your businesses, whether that's your business, that's your job. You got to have something that creates the cash, and that's the motor. And then you have to feed that cash into either investments or some other kind of business activity that does not require your time. And that is how you get there. That's how you create the dissociation. But the important thing to remember is that as a high paid professional, you have that motor built in. And so you have a tremendous advantage over most people in the working world because at the end of the month, then you consume and therefore you can use that money to put towards this goal. Absolutely. You make enough so that if you decide that this is the path that you want to take, either being an investor or an entrepreneur, you are in a good place to do it. And it's that realization, you know, the what's the worst that could happen? What's truly the risk? And I think there are some, you know, if you want to get into this now or not, I think there's some questions you can ask yourself what path you really want to take. And unfortunately, the way our brains are set up is we will lie to ourselves pretty commonly. We will tell ourselves all kinds of fun things that we allow us to get away with. And the most important person to not lie to is yourself. Whether that involves realizing that you should do something or that you should not do something, I think that's the key to going down this path. Yeah, and if, you, if you're already making a ton of money, you've already got the motor. It might not be as efficient to give up that motor for entrepreneurship if you don't have to. I mean, if your goal is just to get to that dissociation point, you know, you don't have a burning desire to be an entrepreneur, don't be it. If you're a physician or some kind of other high wage earning professionals making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and your goal is really financial independence, you might be better served learning to be a better investor and let others do the heavy lifting for you. You know, getting back to your point though, let's talk about what are some of the rules or what are some of the things to consider to determine whether you should be an entrepreneur? Here's my first one that I'll let you go next if you have another one. Here's what I say. Don't become an entrepreneur if your goal is to retire, okay? Because true entrepreneurs are in it for the game and the love of what they do. And if your goal is to retire, you will fail. Not fail at retiring. Certainly, you can retire. But I'm saying that, listen, here's the problem with entrepreneurship these days. It's like being a movie star in the 80s. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, right? It's very sexy to be an entrepreneur, to even say, you know, how many people you get on LinkedIn have the word founder, you know? (laughs) I'm the founder of something or, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, 
just identify whether that's really you or not. But part of it is, what do you really want to do? If you just want to retire, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not an entrepreneur. Thoughts on that? No, I, I agree. I think people have to define financial independence. You know, some people define financial independence with retirement. Ah, financial independence is I could retire. And like you said, it's the entrepreneur needs to be someone who is constantly scratching, constantly gutting after the next thing. I think that's really the only way you can be successful. And the idea of being an entrepreneur to retire is uh, simply not going to happen. So, Well, it might. I, would, I mean, to the extent that there's, you know, you look at these tech entrepreneurs who, you know, come off this huge windfall, you know, and they... They end up with, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and they're 25 years old. And, you know, some of them might end up retiring, but I guarantee you they didn't go into it thinking I'd, I'm going to go and do this right. retire. They wanted that rush, rush that comes with entrepreneurship and trying something new and creating something. Yeah. Well, some things that I, were th I was thinking of is you yourself are more comfortable doing what's been done or doing the same old thing? Or do you question conventional wisdom? If you're someone who questions conventional wisdom, I think that aligns you more with the entrepreneur mindset. If you're someone you want to do the same old, different than the same old is uncomfortable. Again, I think that's a sign that entrepreneurship is not the path to take. Yeah, and I think along that same lines, are you a good employee? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of dumb, right? But I was an employee for not very long, frankly. I was in school for most of my life. But I hated residency so much. And it was always about somebody telling me what to do, somebody who was supposed to be in, you know, my boss, all that. I hated it. And I have come to the conclusion that I'm not really employable. Right. And so it goes back to what you're saying. It's you think you could do things better. You don't like listening to this other person who's you know giving you this BS and you think that you can do everything better. And that's those are signs of, you know, an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think another way to look at it is at the end of the day, you know, so imagine these two scenarios, which one you'd be more happy with. Would you be more happy failing at your own idea or succeeding for someone else? If you like the idea of failing on your own idea and we've talked about failing before. The right mindset would see failing as an opportunity to learn, course correct, do better. If that sounds pleasing and the right way to go, then that's more of the entrepreneur mind. If it's more comfortable or you like the pats on the back from succeeding for others, then entrepreneurship is probably not the path. Well, and the other thing I think that's very much along that lines, uh, you talk about you know risk and that sort of thing. But don't become an entrepreneur if you think it is risky to be an entrepreneur. I know that you're like, well, wait, a lot of people are out there going, of course it's risky to be an entrepreneur. But it is risky, right? Yeah, well, I think it's risky to be an employee. That's what I think, because anybody can fire you at any time. That's why I think that being an employee is risky. But if you think that being an entrepreneur is risky, then don't do it. Here's what I'll tell you about that, is that Henry Ford has a great quote about this kind of thing. He says, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Absolutely. So if you think that, you know, entrepreneurship is too risky for you, you're right. Now, I actually consider entrepreneurship to be safer than employment, but that's how I view the world. Entrepreneurship to me is it's not a job, it's a skill set that I've learned, you know, the school of hard knocks and and you can't really be taken away from you. So even if things went completely south, et cetera, I would kind of have an idea of how to start something new. And that, to me, is very reassuring. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a safety net that not a lot of people identify with. 
it's just like uh, someone who races cars. You know, they're good drivers, so it's probably one of the safest things that you can do in a controlled environment, race cars. But someone who doesn't race cars, it's going to freak them out. They're, they're going to have no interest. I have a uh, an interesting scenario that came across my desk today. There was someone that we wanted to employ, and we're pretty good at getting a lot of information out of people. And it turns out that uh, her husband, you know, late thirties and still in school and doesn't work and it's causing stress on the house. And uh, so we're not moving forward right now, but it's interesting. Imagine, you know, what you said where uh, having a job is more risky. So this is what this person relies on must. You mm-hmm. know, so they must have a job to move forward. They could not take the control of their own destiny. And I think you're right. I think for, for the entrepreneur mindset is a job must feel more risky. And you know what's interesting, though, is they might be right, too. Because if you are if you are an employee and you feel like entrepreneurship is really risky, you're probably right. So it's all relative risk. I mean, you're not going to do very well if you, you know, fear completely, you know, overwhelms you. Now, here's the thing. The excitement of entrepreneurship has to far exceed the feeling of fear. Okay. Now, although fear is normal and it's a good thing, it means you're pushing yourself. That excitement of entrepreneurship has to exceed it. And if it doesn't, then, you know, stay at your job because you're not going to succeed as an entrepreneur. And that's okay. I think it's really important to understand that I'm not making a judgment about, I don't think you're better if you're an entrepreneur. In many regards, I look at what other people do and think, well, you know, they've been at the same job for 25 years, 30 years, they're making a great living, blah, 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 all this stuff. But sometimes I just wish I could be like that, right? Because it sure seems like kind of like cozy, right? But that's just, I can't live that way, right? So it's oh, not absolutely. a judgment. No, there are days where, you know, because you'll have some rough days. And, and there's definitely been days I've been driving home and I see someone lifting a shovel and digging a hole. And I knew that, you know, their day started going, I got to dig a hole. And at the end of this day, this hole's going to be dug. And every once in a while, it's like, man, you know what? I wish I could just have a day where I I just got to dig a hole. Or you, you get <laughs> you know? like you get crazy clients like me calling you going, what? What's going <laughs> on, man? No, just like a spot, you know, just like a... Uh, a finalization, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to start it and then it's done. <laughs> you know, right. Um, it doesn't happen every, you know, probably every six months you kind of wish that you of could course, do the whole, but, of course. but at the end but of like the you day, said, there is no judgment because yeah. the only person that I'll quote unquote judge is getting back to what I originally said is don't lie to yourself. Yeah. You know, don't, that's the best way to, to enjoy life and be happy is be honest with yourself and say, you know what? Hell no, I'm not going to be an entrepreneur. Own it and do what you want to do that makes you happy. Um, if you want to be an entrepreneur, own it and go, hell yeah, I'm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and, and get after it. But um, I think that's the key. There are some myths about being an entrepreneur too, like, you know, that you can't do it with full-time job. I was interviewee for a guy, uh, Lane Kawaka at uh, Smart uh, Passive Cashflow. And he was, uh, you know, he's a full-time engineer. He makes decent money. He's been uh, stockpiling these uh, turnkey rental houses. And he's not quitting his job. He's just making it easier for him to not worry about money as much and slowly sort of cut off days. So it certainly can be done. But the thing is that it can't be done without some level of passion. You know, you can't just sit there and think it would be cool to do it. But when it comes down to getting your your own hands in it and your own king dirt under your nails you just you, you just don't want to do it if you're not into it though if you're not into that whole idea of 
entrepreneurism, and even to the point where I, I consider owning real estate, you know, buying apartment buildings or even uh, buying, you know, single family houses by yourself. It's still entrepreneurialism. You can do it. You just have to educate yourself, all right? You really need to. You can't do it without going to learn it, but you have to have some passion to do it like Lane does. Um, you can't just be the person who says, all right, just tell me what to do and I'll do it because there's plenty of those people too. And again, that's okay. Just identify it because if you're right. not a entrepreneur at heart, congratulations because you just saved yourself time, which is one of the tenets at, of the whole wealth formula, saving time, right? So you're not going to go through this thing where you know you listen to this show and not like this show is going to necessarily make your decision, but we're putting you on the spot. Are you an entrepreneur or not? If you're not, stop thinking about it and start focusing and sharpening your skills as an investor because you're making plenty of money. You got to start educating yourself financially, hang out with the right people, and you'll solve the wealth formula without being an entrepreneur because you've got the motor in place. Exactly. I think that's important distinction about what we're talking about is that this isn't an entrepreneur nothing discussion. It, it's when you recognize yourself and choose your path. Like you, like you said, congratulations, you've made that decision. So now start educating yourself on being a better investor. Because you're a high wage earner, you have the opportunity to not have to pedal that bike anymore. If you don't do anything about it today, then that's a whole another day lost and you probably won't do anything about it tomorrow. And you'll blink five years go by, you'll blink again and 10 years go by. Just buy so, a bunch of seminars, right, Zed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a little inside joke I'm ribbing Zed about. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny because, you know, that's such an amazing business, um, you know, the get rich kind of at home without doing much, uh, you know, pyramid marketing. They get a lot of people because people go, well, eh, I think I would like to have financial freedom, but oh, well, let me just let me just do this seventy nine ninety nine, and and then the book's going to sit there and you'll never do anything about it. Yeah, but the idea is just, you know. That's right. I mean, that's right. Basically, it's, you know, that's, that's, that might be one of the signs that you're not an entrepreneur. And I'm not talking about you because obviously you are, Zed, but if you're a serial seminar goer who never actually puts anything to use, then stop going to seminars, save your money, invest it instead. Right. You know, on the other hand, if you are an entrepreneur, everything that we just said here just got you even more excited. And you, you might not have even listened to the, the rest of the podcast. You might have just, uh, Forget these guys. I'm too busy. I got to you know, figure out what I'm going to do. You're going to know from what we talked about which side. I'm convinced of it because you're talking to two guys who are very passionate about being entrepreneurs. If you are one of us, then you're going to know it. You're going to know it from this conversation because you're going to very much identify with what we're saying and what we're talking about. Just remember, don't waste your time. Don't be a poser. Okay, one way or another, you are or you're not. Make a decision move forward because you can be a, become a very good investor and get the same result that you're thinking about with being an entrepreneur. Well, and I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up with you because so from your and my history and existence, I would not consider myself a skilled investor. Um, you have much more um, knowledge and experience with that. So let's say there's someone out there listening to this Everything we've said, they go, nope, I'm not an entrepreneur. But now, so they've decided, okay, I want to learn about investing. What I've found is a challenge in the industry of quote-unquote investing is the people who are the paid experts 
a lot of time hold a veil over things and try to make you think that you can't make these decisions and you're going to screw everything up and you better hand the money over to me. So if I was that person and I say, I'm an investor, so what do I do now? What's the best way for me to to shrink the gap between not being an investor to being an investor. I think it's all about financial education, right? That's what really the the whole show is about. Now, I'm not here to give financial advice, but here's my own philosophy is that number one, stay away from Wall Street because Wall Street is not designed to make you money. Wall Street is designed to make money for people in Wall Street. So you may think that you know you've got your money you're doing the right thing you're uh doing what everybody tells you you're making money and you're putting it in your IRA your 401k and then you're throwing it into a mutual fund because some quote unquote wealth advisor who's been who went who did 3 months uh seminar and and got that you know got that designation told you to you'd think you're doing the right thing because that's what everybody tells us to do but it's not the right thing to do and people are seeing that every day right you know, let me give you an example. People don't know this, generally speaking, but most people put their retirement funds into, you know, um, a 401k, right? 401k with that's invested in mutual funds. Now, how do those mutual funds get there? How did they end up as a possible choice for you? Well, they ended up there because mutual fund paid your 401k company a certain amount of money to get on the table, right? That's why they did there. Now, the mutual fund company itself charges you up front in almost every case. It's pretty rare when this is not the case, a heavy load. And a load meaning they'll charge you 2 3% of your money just to be in that mutual fund. So say you had a good year in the stock market, which you know these days, hey, 7% would be a good deal, and you had a 3% load. Now you're down to 4%. Now compound that over time. And you know, people talk about investing for the long term and the the quote unquote uh, you know magic of compounding interest well, the magic of compounding interest isn't that magical when it's like three or four percent per year it's barely above inflation so my philosophy and this is an ongoing theme here, and this is what I've talked to with some of the listeners who've actually the accredited investors who've clicked on on the site have clicked on the invest with me I have a private consultation with them and I'm not selling anything it's nothing that I'm doing we talk about people's personal financial goals and I tell them about some of the things that I'm doing and share with them my own philosophies and give them specifics but at the end of the day here's what it's all about I invest in and what I believe that people should invest in is real things not paper. The stock market is all about paper. It's not the real thing. It's what people, it goes up in value, it goes down in value. It doesn't matter what the earnings are. There's some kind of value associated that fluctuates on a daily basis. How can that possibly be real? It's not. The stock market is constantly manipulated. You know, the Wall Street people make money off of you by slapping you with huge funds and then getting your money in these mutual funds. And then in the meantime, the people who are actually using the market to make money are like these days, it's these nanosecond robo trading machines, you know, these machines that make these, you know, bets every couple microseconds and put in your order, they put it in a nanosecond ahead of you so that they can, you know, the market goes up. So I mean, it's just crazy technology. And for us to think at this point, that that's what we're supposed to do is complete nonsense. It's a brainwashing of Wall Street. You mentioned it before, Zed, and you're absolutely right. There's a language that's associated with it. It's a foreign language that when we hear it, when we hear these quote-unquote wealth advisors 
talk to us about it. We don't want to be dumb, so we don't really ask them questions. Right. Right? They're like talking about all this, you know, lingo, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you must be right because you're talking about a bunch of words that I don't know. You know, I mean, so you must be right. And beyond that, I'm not going to doubt you. And beyond that, if you lose money, it just must be because that's just the way things are. So I'm not really going to get mad at you either. Right. right. I think that's, you know, you imagine the the conversations that happen in the, I don't know if they're called locker rooms or not, but let's say the locker rooms of hospitals and you have, you know, the groupings of many, many high wage earners, a lot of physicians or surgeons, let's say. And, you know, the, the idea of investments come up. The only chat that will be will be the the things that people are very comfortable. Like, oh, yeah, well, I've, you know, I'm. I'm diversified between uh, some mutual funds and and this, that, and the other. It's all just very on the surface, and people don't want to mention things that others would say like, wait, what are you doing? Uh, You know, a couple years ago, I did a show with this guy from the IRA club, which helps people use their IRAs and 401ks to invest in things other than the stock market and bonds. And um, everything else other than those paper investments are considered by the government as alternative investments. Alternative investments. By that sounds kind of scary right away, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you're not you're you're different. You're alternative, right? So alternative, and you're talking about people who are investing in real estate with their IRAs. How is real estate investing alternative? It's not. Yeah, that's but, some new fame dangled stuff there, real estate. Yeah, right. And it, and that's because <laughs> because this whole thing is just this big scheme. It's this whole thing that Wall Street does. And we, uh, you know, high paid professionals, any professionals are complete suckers to this because they make it seem like this is the right thing to do. This is if you're not doing this, you're being irresponsible. But let's look at the stock market, even if in the best case scenario, you know, you hear all the stuff about the stock markets at all record highs right now. But in reality, it's not that much higher than it was literally two years ago, it's sideways. It's terrible. And the and right now the market is the multiples on what these stocks are trading for compared to earnings is ridiculous. And their earnings keep dropping and the market keeps going up. And it's because there's cheap money out there. We've talked about this on another show, but what basically happens is, you know, say you're a CEO of a company and it's a publicly traded company and stocks uh, start to fall, they get cheap and you've got a multi-million dollar contract Well, you buy like, you know, $5 million worth of stock. Here's what happens. That stock goes up in price. And then at the end of the year, because your stock went up, your bonus gets bigger. So it's it's just yep. this ludicrous circle. So basically what I'm talking about and what I really believe that people ought to be doing and what I do at least, you don't invest that much because you invest in yourself, right? Right. That's a good way to do it if you have a belief in yourself. And I do that a lot. I would say most of the money that I invest is in myself. But the money that I don't invest in myself, I invest in others who I trust. And as an accredited investor, which means that you make either you know $200,000 per year or you have a net worth of at least a million dollars, you have an opportunity to invest with others who can give you reasons why you should invest with them. They invest in real things. I'm not telling everybody to go out and invest with me. I'm telling you that there are plenty of people, if you get in a community of people who are investing and you are in a community of you know people who are offering these kinds of things, you'll find plenty of things that make a ton of money. I've interviewed some of those people on this show already. I mean, I, I did a few, a couple years back, one of 
one of the most interesting uh, funds that I invest in was with um, a guy by the name of George Newberry in American Home Preservation. So what he does is he buys big blocks of of non-performing notes, okay, uh, of non-performing mortgages. And instead of kicking people out of their house, he rents it back to them, and the returns are actually huge. And you get 12% return on investment. Where is that money coming from? It's not a mystery. Returns are huge. I know what George told me, um, you know, what kind of returns he's actually getting on that. It's much more than 12%. And that's good. I'm glad he's making a ton of money. It makes me feel better about the 12% that he's given away because it's an easy, easy amount for him to give away. The things that I'm talking about are understandable. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And if you are a physician, you are a dentist, you are a lawyer, you are have an MBA and do you know st- anything that you're doing that's creating this opportunity for you to make a lot of money as a professional, you have enough intellectual power to simply understand, well, make it really easy for me. Okay, tell me how it is that we're going to make money. And if somebody can't just tell you why your invest- investment is going to make money within about 60 seconds, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, a perfect example is the one you just mentioned. You know, you haven't told me about that one before. In less than 60 seconds, makes huge sense. Yeah, it makes you sense. You know, rent the homes back, you know? So that that's, I think that's a really good point you just made, is that if someone can explain it, that's going to be key because this isn't rocket science. You know, there isn't uh, these insane equations that turn into a positive investment. A lot of it is if you are the investing mindset, you're going to go, huh, you know what? That makes sense. Without a lot of convincing, you know that's uh, the thing that you find too with um, particularly sophisticated and experienced investors is they'll I'll tell you the same thing that generally speaking when you have an investment opportunity the longer and more glossy you know the entire <laughs> preparation for that is you know like the handout is probably the worst investment it is because really the people out there who are constantly making money for their investors, they don't even spend money on that stuff because they're just, they've got people, you know, they're constantly making money and people figure it out and they keep reinvesting with them. They don't need to spend all that money on that stuff, you know? Yeah. I guess it takes, takes more effort to shine up a turd, I guess. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) right. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't know if does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 Anyway, I, I know this was sort of a long, this was more of a rant today, wasn't it? It was uh, more of a rant than a show, but I think it is a very important thing to think about because again, this show that we do, a Wealth Formula podcast, it's not just an entrepreneurship show. It's about trying to understand how you're going to get yourself to break away from those golden shackles and figure out how you're going to be able to make the money that you want that's going to give you the freedom to do whatever you want, whether that's entrepreneurship or not. But don't waste a bunch of time if it's not you thinking you're going to be an entrepreneur. Let's focus on trying to get you into the right investments and get you there quicker with that high-paying job that you already have. Anything to add to that, Zen? No, I think that's perfect. Yeah. I'd just like to add here is that uh, I would appreciate any uh, comments from you or if you would like to and you're enjoying this show, please uh, give us a review on iTunes and spread the word about the show. Tell your friends, et cetera, because this is really important stuff. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about the community we're already getting. I've talked to you know a number of, of you already out there. And, you know, it's, it's just so nice to hear that we're making an impact already. Uh, go to WealthFormulaPodcast.com. You can also sign up for the new newsletter, which gives you some information there. And also there is a button that says invest with me. Now, what that means is not that you're going to put, you know, you're giving me a bunch of money. No, that's not what it means at all. What it means is let's 
you know, become part of my inner circle. Talk to me personally. Let's let's let me tell you about what I know about. You tell me what you know about. Let's create a community of investors that can go out there and do things uh, in a smart way. Pretty soon we'll we'll add a forum as well that'll make it even easier to do that. You go to there and uh, you can also ask questions on Ask Buck, uh, which you can also click at Wealth Formula Podcast. Anyway, I hope this was a, a useful show for everybody. Uh, thanks again, Zed Williamson, for being my guest, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.